0: Don't sleep in the garden. Say amen. I need lots of amens. It's just something about gardens in the Scriptures. It's all over the place. How many know from Genesis to Revelation, there's a garden? Everywhere the Scripture speaks of gardens. But as beautiful as they are, We see a lot of warfare going on in gardens. As beautiful as they are, (laughs) there's a devil in the one in Genesis. There's a devil before we get to the one in Revelation. We got a thousand-year reign where Jesus reigns on the... I mean, Jesus is reigning... He's the president of the whole earth. And the devil still is so stupid. Raises his ugly head. And people are so stupid that even after a thousand years, they're going to rise up against Jesus. There must be true wickedness in people's heart to do such a thing. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus rose from the dead and Mary went to the tomb and she's trying to find where they took the body of Jesus and she finds a man in the in the garden and she thinks he's a gardener? Isn't that interesting? Well, no wonder. Wouldn't it be amazing if when we got to heaven, Jesus looked like Mr. Green Jeans? So, so it all started in the garden, and let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and look at the story here for just a minute, and, uh, and we'll see what we got here. Thus the heavens and the earth, and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because something else is coming. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work. By the way, that was a Saturday, right? Which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Isn't it also interesting that even though Adam had a job description, his first day on the planet was resting, not working. Sometimes we rest not because of what we've been through, but we rest because of what's ahead. Before any plant of the field, here we go now, this is where I want to preach. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, in other words, before any wild bushes or domesticated uh, plants, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. Mm-hmm. But a mist went up from the earth, or uh, somehow groundwater is what it's talking about, went up from the earth. I don't have time to get into this, but the earth atmosphere was very different. By the way, that's, that's probably why this uh, carbon dating is all messed up. It's because at one time, the, earth was, the earth's atmosphere was very different. It didn't need to rain because we were living in a greenhouse. And the sun coming, a terrarium. So the sun coming through is, was different back then, making things seem older than they are now. Oh, oh, glory to God. So it didn't need to rain. We were in a terrarium. but by, by the way, that broke with the flood. Uh, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Verse 7 and 8, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living being. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. mm mm-hmm. So God creates everything. He says it is good, but but yet in the midst of all that he created, there's there's two little problems here, I guess. I mean, it's good, but there's a couple of problems. Number one, he's not able to send rain because he doesn't have a man to take care of it. I wonder how many blessings we do not receive because we're not willing to steward them. I wonder if God would give you financial blessings if you wouldn't blow it. I wonder if God would not activate spiritual gifts in your life if you wouldn't squander them. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yes. So, so the earth is good. I mean, everything that... In other words, everything is there potentially. Potentially. It is good. But the earth is inhospitable. It is not really livable. So he plants a garden, puts Adam in the garden, puts him to sleep, takes out a rib, right? And there's ta-da. Yeah, God said, it is good. And Adam said, whoa, baby. This is very good God we I mean, he was busy all day just naming animals. I mean, Eve was a big step up, amen. so God did not have a man he He makes a garden, but or maybe he didn't have enough men. I don't know what, what we want to say about this, but and here's what we say about the garden. This this has been messing me up here lately. And that is, we often say that God made the garden for Adam to enjoy. Now, that's true, but I think he also made Adam for the garden. He didn't make you just so you can enjoy life. I, I mean, that's okay, that's true, but he also... Mm, He also made you for life. He made you to touch your family. He made you to touch your neighbors. He made you this morning to pray for someone and see change come about in their life. He made you for a purpose. He didn't just make you so you could sit around all day and just say, oh, I love life. He didn't create a garden just so you can get up every morning and just walk through it and enjoy it. Now now we do enjoy it but he made us to do something and God said I can't send rain until people realize their destiny. I'm not going to send blessings until people are willing to accept responsibility. I'm not going to bless a church that won't disciple new converts. You you kind of I don't know if that was amen or ooh. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm I'm not gonna expand a church if all they're gonna do is put them in empty seats. I tell you if COVID did anything, it revealed that there's a whole lot of Christians that were just occupying chairs. And they haven't come back because they were never really there. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to meddling now. Listen, the garden wasn't just created for us. We were created for the garden. If we don't do what we do, this world is an inhabitable, inhospitable world. We're the light, we're the salt, praise God. We're the ones that need to put the plow in the ground and make a difference on the planet. I'm not saying just go join the green party. That's, I, I believe in the environment and all that stuff, but you know, some people worship the environment. We're not here to worship it. I have a better God than a tree I don't know but God God chooses to do nothing until we believe and God chooses to do nothing unless we're willing to work he said three things be fruitful and multiply subdue the garden and take dominion over it and you know how he took dominion over it he named the animals that's a very important concept listen I don't believe in all the name it claim it stuff I'm not, I'm not talking about that but there's some truth in that. That, one, that that's, why, that's, why, that's why Jesus always, before he cast out a devil, he always asked the devil's name. Because once the devil gave his name, that revealed his identity. So name and claim it does have some use when we understand the power of it. You need to name what it is in your life that needs to go. And you need to name the things that God says you can have and stand on it in Jesus' name. The abuse comes in is when you start walking around saying, hmm, I'd really like to have a Cadillac. I claim it in Jesus' name. Well, God spoke to me and said, I can have a Cadillac. Really? All the needs on the planet, and that's what God's wringing his hands over in heaven. See, when you're messed up, you meddle a lot. (laughs) Jesus. So how does this work? He breathes on Adam, and he becomes the caretaker of the garden. John chapter 15, I love this. Watch this. And verse 4, he said, you must remain in life union with me, me being Jesus. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. That's the gardener talking. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. Does anyone feel connected all of a sudden? As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. He's a broken branch. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Jesus. Verse 7. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. Well, I asked, Yeah, are you connected? Are you connected? Just because I love this, go to Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Look at Listen to this love song. If you, if you want to read, it's a beautiful story, the relationship between... A bride and a bridegroom, in other words, Jesus and the church. In fact, if you read it, you'll blush. I encourage all our young people, just go there. You'll be amazed what's in that Bible. (laughs) Solomon had a vineyard at Baal uh, Haman. He leased the vineyard to keepers. Everyone was uh, was to bring for its fruit a thousand silver coins. How many know we need to invest in the vineyard? My own vineyard is before me. Oh, you, Solomon, may have a thousand, and those who tend its fruit, two hundred, the beloved, the beloved. You who dwell in the gardens, the, command, the companions, listen for your voice. Let me hear it. The Shulamite says, that's, that's the bride. Is that it? Yes, that's it. You've got to read what she says. But isn't it a beautiful story? He has a garden, and we're part of the garden. Let's follow another story in a garden. The story starts in an upper room. You know where I'm going. Jesus gives them, listen, a new commandment. Y'all remember me preaching this? Gave them a new, say new, a new commandment. Wow, pay attention. Wake up. What do you mean a new commandment? I thought 10 was, was enough. And then there's the two, love God, love your neighbor, right? Love God with your whole mind, heart, and soul. Love, your, love, your, you know, love yourself. Love others as you love yourself. So what's the new commandment? The new commandment is don't just love others as you would want them to love you. Love others as Jesus loves you. He washed their feet. As an example, the king of all the universe is washing nasty feet. And he said, if you'll do this, you'll be happy. This is the new commandment. I think everything changes in the upper room. Jesus summed up three and a half years of ministry to these 12 dudes. And they they still don't get it. But they'll get it. There's a lot of things going on in your life you're not getting. Just the fact that you don't know that is alarming. They didn't get it. They had to go through some tests and some trials before they get it. They didn't understand the power of washing feet, that the paradigm for leadership, the paradigm of what a church is, the paradigm of what a disciple is, it completely changed when he said, wash one another's feet. Love them as I love you. That's a big charge. Come on, church, I... I... I don't, feel, I, don't, I don't feel like yelling and screaming at you. I'm still messed up. Are you still with me? Whew, Jesus. From the upper room, he takes them where? To a garden. Takes them to Gethsemane. The word means oil press. Whew. That garden is still there in Jerusalem. I've been there. They, there's a tree there, one tree that they say, and, and maybe they know because of tree rings. I don't, of course, I don't know if they have to cut it down for sure, to, or if they, I don't know, but they think they they say okay. That that one, the tree, I mean, the forest, I mean, the little, the garden is full of these really old, gnarled kind of pine trees. But they said, this one right here, they think is 2,000 years old. They pointed right at the tr- I was standing right there, and a shiver went up my spine <laughs> because that might have been the very tree that Jesus prayed at. And I'm standing right there. If a tree did live 2,000 years, it had to be the tree Jesus prayed at, right? I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going with that. He takes the 12 to the garden, and he asks them to pray with him. But you know what happened. He didn't even bother with nine of them. He is (laughs) like, I give up on you, 9. But if these three will come, and you know, even the three fell asleep in the garden. I I don't know why they fell asleep. Maybe they ate way too much lamb. Maybe the buzz from the bread was over. Or maybe the garden was a familiar place, a comfortable place, a nice, quiet place. Let me tell you something. Some of the places you think are quiet are about to get real And Jesus goes beyond the three a little bit to a tree and he kneels there. And they said that his, which scientists say it is entirely possible to be under such such, uh, uh, emotional stress and it affects your body that you can actually burst blood vessels in your forehead. And his sweat became like drops of blood. Jesus knows what you're going through. And he goes back to the three, but he only talks to one. And I'm wondering today, you know, one of the things I had to come to grips with with as a pastor is not everyone is going to receive what I preach I had to come to grips with not everyone even hears what I preach. I have to come to grips with while I'm preaching, I see people in their chair. This is a Pentecostal church. You are in danger. People running around. Will, you have my permission to smack anyone while you're running around if they're sleeping. Take a banner with you. I'll throw a hymnal at you. It's dangerous to be asleep in a full gospel church. Hallelujah. Someone will step on you. Amen? But I had to come to Cripps. Even that some people will disagree. That someone might challenge. But I've come to the point where I just need to know if, if my message changes one life, then that is the will of the Lord for that person in that day, in that hour, with that message, and I'm okay with that. I was shocked to see. I actually argued with God when he said, Wounded hearts. I said, These people are okay. What? Well, one, two, my God. all right. Well, my God, the altar was almost full. The Lord knows what you're going through and provided a moment in time for you to have a divine confrontation with the comforter. And people were made whole this morning because we paused the service and we'll pause it for one if that's what God wants. And if you don't like it, there's two doors and a couple on the sides for quick and easy exit. I will. Help us, Jesus. Peter Fell asleep at a critical moment when Jesus actually needed him. Had that ever happened before? After Jesus washed his feet, could you not pray with me? Could you not stay awake one hour? Can I warn you in the name of Jesus that a spirit of sleep is trying to come over the church of Jesus Christ? The woke crowd is trying to shut us down, put fear in our hearts so we'll shut up and go away People are intimidated and they're just kind of falling back and saying, Well, I'll just go to church on Sunday and keep my mouth shut Monday through. I'll just kind of sit back here. And listen, listen. Do not fall asleep in the garden. It's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to be the church of Jesus Christ. These are the last days. This is the day of Elijah. Jezebel's trying to shut us down. But we have the power of Elijah in these last days. And it's time to exercise the anointing of Elijah in the last days. My God, help us in the house. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. He's Peter sound asleep. Sound asleep. Just a little while later, he's in a courtyard, which is basically a garden. He's in a courtyard at the world's fire. He's at the world's fire. Everyone's at that fire because the gold. And he's warming himself at the fire while Jews, Jesus is on trial. And one woman. Remember the society they're in back then. One woman intimidates him. Oh, you were with Jesus. Not me. You know, some Christians will follow him from a distance. But when confronted about who they really are. I know not the man. I'm not one of those. Don't you go to that crazy church up on the hill? Well, I, I go once in a while. Are you hearing me? I know it's a serious message, but we got, this is no time for fun and games. We are in a war. He was intimidated by one woman and denied the Lord. Right after the resurrection, I got I hurt. What, right, what happens? Jesus lights a campfire on a beach. And he says, come and dine. And at that second campfire, how many know he's a God of second chances? How many know he's a God that won't leave you or forsake you? Don't you know he's a God? Doesn't matter how low you went, doesn't matter how much you mess up. How many times have I prayed for people at the altars? I just don't believe God could ever forgive me. Oh, yes, he can. He has an infinite amount of love, mercy, and forgiveness. died for you, he died, died, and there he is, all the the threes, right, You'll, you'll deny me three times, the rooster crows three times, there's three disciples in the garden, doesn't he come to him three times? Three, 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 three. Three is the number of revelation. Everything comes in threes. How many times did he ask Peter, do you love me? This was finally the test. Wow. Now I want to tell you something about tests. Anybody ever been through a test? How about the rest of you? Please. Please. How many have been through many tests? How many feel like this sermon is a test? (laughs) Jesus. I almost apologized, but I ain't going to do it. I want to show you something about tests. Because a test is not just something that builds character. When you go through a test, and by the way, if you fail it, you'll just have to go through it again. You get to take it, but it's an open book test. Lord, they didn't get that. This is a Bible. It says, the message. It's an open book how many been, How many have been to high school? I won't ask you if you graduate. How many been to you can't even raise your hand for that. Did you ever have a teacher give you a test on material she never taught? Oh, you did not. Really? Why? That were just mean. <laughs> How many know we got a good, good God? Thanks for messing up my sermon, Michelle. I never had a. T- the purpose of the test is to make sure you learned what was taught. So I don't know about your mean teachers. <laughs> Sounds like a It sounds like a devil thing to me. But God will never test you. Don't, don't, that's why Peter said, don't be surprised about this fiery trial. It's because he's already told you. He's already taught you. If you'll just spend some time in prayer, just spend some time with him, it'll all come back to you. Get into the word because it's an open book test. Whatever test you're going through, I promise you on the authority of God's word, he's already given you a way of escape, the way of escape. He's already given you what you need. You've already been taught this. But again, the purpose of the test isn't just to see if you learned anything. Watch this. The purpose of the test is that when the test is passed, that thing becomes sealed in your life. I just want to thank God for the trial. Because when I go. I'm not talking about temptation. I'm talking about a test. I'm talking about a trial. If once we get through it and we pass. We're never coming that way again. God seals He said, well, I remember it. Don't let the devil lie to you. He'll put lies in your head, cause doubt, and then you got to go learn the test again. But if you'll hear, listen, if you've been sleeping, now's a good time to wake up. Listen to what I'm saying. When you pass a test, it is sealed. When Peter finally passed the test, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The answer was feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. When he passed the test, God gave him a calling. God gave him a purpose. God sealed that thing. And from that point on, he became a pastor. He became a bishop. Peter was now a a man with a calling. On his life, Good. because he finally passed the test, and on and on on Pentecost, forty fifty days later. Remember, remember in the courtyard. Remember in the courtyard. One woman intimidated him, but intimidated him. But on the day of Pentecost, three thousand people got saved. I don't know how many thousands heard him preach. One woman intimidated him, but when he received, when he passed the test. He was able to see 3,000 saved with one message. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? All right, worship team, get up here. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Aren't you proud of me I'm not preaching an hour anymore? Aren't you proud? This is why the scripture says, say it with me, arise, you rise up from your coffin and the anointed one will shine his light into you. You have responsibility to shine, to wake up. Verse 15, so be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for, for, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life working the garden. Come on, working the garden. Don't live foolishly, for then you will have Discernment to fully understand God's will. You'll know how to work the garden. Uh-huh. And don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of God. Whew. Why is it rebellion? Because you're surrendering to another God when you're high. Oh, come on, church. i got to start preaching on marijuana. It's getting to be legal. (laughs) Your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other. Didn't we do that this morning? With words of Scripture, sing the psalms with praises and spontaneous songs. He'll give you a spontaneous song by the Spirit. I always give thanks to Father God for every person he brings into your life, even the ones that annoy you. Three amens. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, for out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. Ah, You know why we fall asleep sometimes? Because the garden is so familiar and so comfortable. Sometimes the devil will lull you to sleep. But this is a tipping point. Things are about to change. Can I give someone a word? When you feel like you're breaking down, remember that he's the God of breaking through. Someone need to hear that. When you feel like you're breaking down. Baal Perazim, he is the God of breaking through. Here's what they say. If you're in freezing temperatures outside, hypothermia The worst thing you can do is fall asleep. But what do you want to do? What does everything in you cry out to do? It's as if sleep will solve my problem. No, sleep will kill you. Withdrawing from the Lord, finding a safe place. Listen, there's no safe place unless you're in the center of God's will. Yeah, but if I, if I do what God tells me to do, I'll be in the middle of a battle. He prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Oh, my God, I felt that. Oh Think about that when you're eating that expensive turkey. With you and your family, most expensive Thanksgiving ever. Oh, praise God, Amen. Some of you, your turkeys are on a boat in California, but hallelujah. I had to do it. I had to go. there. It's so fun. But as you're gathered around, I don't know what might be going on in your life or in your family or in your community or at your work or whatever it is. But as you sit to meal to Thursday, give God thanks. Because He prepares a table before me. Maybe we should just read that scripture on Thanksgiving. He prepares a table for my family in the presence of my enemies. When you're freezing, you want to go to sleep. You've got to stay awake. Let me say this too. Some of you. Have the ministry of keeping others awake. <laughs> you might be annoying, but that is your ministry. <laughs> is what it is. Sometimes you got to thank God for annoying people because they keep you on your toes. The man who won me to the Lord was the most annoying person I've ever known. Seriously. Boy, he could aggravate me. But God used him, completely different from me. God used him to win me to the Lord. He never pastored, never held any high office in the church. He never preached, never did any of that stuff. But every time he saw me in Norfolk, Virginia, he'd say, well, tell me the statistics. What's God doing at Journey Life Center? Because anything that happens there, I get credit for. I'll get to heaven. His mansion will be bigger than mine. That ain't right. But some people, sometimes in your life, in your family, in your God's going to tell you. God's going to whisper in your ear, wake them up. Awake, you sleeper. Awake, you sleeper. Get up. Isaiah 60, right? It's time to get up. Isaiah 60. Awake. Arise. Verse 1. Well, you know what it says. Awake. Arise. (laughs) Do we have it? It's a great scripture. It's time. Maybe I should just quit. I, remember a Song of Solomon, the knock on the door? Remember that? I preached it so many times. And where's where's the girl? She's already in bed. You know, once you're comfortable. I I, I got in bed last night. I got I was really com oh, all right. I have my phone over there charging, and I hear. It's nothing important. Oh, it, it'll wait. If I turn around, I'll, oh, I'm so glad. You ever get one of those, oh, this is this really, I, I found the spot. Ping. I lay there for like three minutes. It might be an emergency. All right. I turn around, look at my phone. It was stupid. It was stupid. (laughs) My word to you is these are dangerous times. We are in a war. This world, this devil is trying to shut us down, put us to sleep. It feels good. It might even feel right, but it's a lie of the devil. And unless you're a little bit uncomfortable, maybe you're not even in God's will. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory, but it's a battle. His peace passes understanding, but we are in a battle. My God, I feel free, I feel good, and the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I'm here to tell you in the midst of all that, we are in a battle. And it's not getting better. It's time for the church to wake up. Come on and give him a shout and a pray. It's time for the church to wake up. Yes! When that horn... When that, when that shofar blew, it meant everybody. No matter what you're in the middle of dinner, in the middle of sleep, whatever you are, strike the tent, pick up the pigs, fold up, the, fold up the, 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 the tent canvas. Let's put it in a bag. Put it on your shoulder because the glory's moving. And if the glory's moving, I'm moving with it. Wake up, church, and let's follow the glory. Stand to your feet. Arise! Put it back. Put it. They finally found it. Isaiah sixty. Arise, shine. Arise. I gotta let it go. Arise, shine for the glory of the Lord. See, the glory is there, but you gotta wake up. The glory is there. You just got to Oh my god, you just got to wake up. Communion. Let's, let's let's do communion. Let's come together as a family. Bring your family to the communion table. We already had an altar service. If you need prayer for something, please just just meet me in the middle. But right we we just we just need to worship, don't we? We just need to worship right now. You need to think about what's been preached. You need to think about how that applies to you. Ask yourself the question: how, you know, am I sleepy? (laughs) Am I asleep? The problem with being asleep is it's hard to hear, (laughs) it's hard to preach to people that are asleep. That's why I yell. It's like preaching to people that are deceived. If you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. A... Right? Let's pray. If you need prayer, come on up here. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you for the word. Thank you for the presence we have felt here. What an awesome move of your spirit. And it wasn't just for one, it was for dozens. And I thank you, Father. I praise you, Father. I praise you, Jesus. It's all in your name. Holy Spirit, we embrace you. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your instruction. We thank you for your conviction. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And if there's a one that needs healing in their body, if there's a one that needs a touch from heaven, Let them receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Let's worship.